Today, I'm going to teach on the end time revival. This is what we are living in now. The end time revival. Some of you may wonder, what does that mean? I've heard that before. Does it mean it's the end times? Does it mean that Jesus is coming back really, really soon? What does that mean? Well, Jesus says to the disciples in Acts 1, 6, the disciples, you know, after Jesus had just been resurrected, was coming to appear to them and teach them, and they were all anxious, like, okay, are you going to, are we going to defeat all our enemies now and restore the, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom to Israel? They're anxious, like they're thinking everything's going to happen <laughs> day one, <laughs> when really they were in the very beginning of what would be thousands of years now, a, a journey to bring the salvation message to the lost and to bring the kingdom of God here to earth. So Acts 1-6, it says the disciples that gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. It is not for you to know the time, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. So Jesus quickly dismisses them. They're like, okay, when are you gonna, when's the day gonna be? And this is how we still contend to be, many Christians. When's Jesus gonna come? Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming tomorrow. Jesus, for a long time, especially like the generation before us, I believe it was, many people, there was this doctrine going out that Jesus was going to come back any day. Like literally they thought it was gonna be that year, basically. So what were people doing? People were just sitting there and waiting sitting down and waiting. But God never told us to sit down and wait. He never told us to predict the time or day and say to ourselves, I think today's the day, I'm gonna sit here and wait. <laughs> he didn't say that to the disciples, he's not saying this now. So what he, what, it's very powerful what he says to the disciples. The disciples are like, when's it gonna be? We wanna, we wanna go. <laughs> and Jesus says instead, it's not for you to know the day or time. It's not for you to know the day or time you shall receive power and you will be my witnesses. So by Jesus immediately speaking this, he's speaking to them, he's changing their direction to going from sitting and waiting to go to work, get to work. It's not for you to know the time or the day, but you need to get to work. I'm giving you power. You need to be my witnesses. You need to release my power. You need to be a vessel of me and save people before I return. So. This was Jesus' message to the disciples. This is Jesus' message to us today. It was a scheme of the devil to have people thinking that Jesus was coming tomorrow because it made people sit down on their butts and not do anything for God, be lazy. So we're, we're called to keep on working, keep on being witnesses for Jesus, releasing his power until the day he comes. That's, that's our calling, whether it's in our lifetime or it's in our children's lifetime, and our children are called to do the same thing. So we, we won't know the time or day, first of all. It's not for us to try to figure out. It's not for us to concern, us, concern ourselves with that. It's for us to get to work. <laughs> and um, there is something, though, I want to share with you, like some prophetic insight. So before Jesus returns, the word shares with us that things will happen before he returns and that the church should be a certain, must be a certain way before he returns. So... It says in Ephesians 5.25, 
Husbands, love your wives just as Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And it goes on to say, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So this is saying the church must present herself. We're a bride. We're called the bride. So we're called to present ourselves as a whole church body to Jesus as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but instead holy and blameless. And it says in Revelations 19:7, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride, the church, has made herself ready. So that's in Revelation before Jesus returns. Jesus is not returning until the bride has prepared herself. God is helping us, speaking to us, and leading us to make ourselves ready. But we can't show up to the wedding looking like trash. We got to be ready. We got to be beautiful. There's got to be, that, that, that dress has got to be steamed, every wrinkle out. We, <laughs> we need to be brilliant and radiant and ready. That's what's going to happen before Jesus returns. So the, the thinking, the doctrine that Jesus was going to come like that year that was going around was not very spiritual <laughs> because it's very clear in the word, we have to be ready. We are completely not ready right now. And it's not hard to see that. All you have to do is compare the Acts church to today's church by and large. I'm not talking about every church. I'm talking about the body of Christ by and large. When you compare the two, they're looking completely different. The Acts church is looking beautiful, how it's supposed to be, how God intended the church to be, how God intended the church to operate, and how he intended his people to be. But the church today, by and large, is, has gone very backwards, has gone way off course, does not look anything much like the Acts church. So we know this is the beginning of the end time revival. So when we say end time revival, it doesn't necessarily mean Jesus is coming back this year. Probably not. We don't know the day or times. So it's not for just to say, but probably not. We have work to do. So what's happening in this revival is God is getting us back on course, getting us to look like the Acts church. That's what he's doing in this revival. This revival being the end time revival is completely different from past revivals. There's many different past revivals, but some people consider something a revival, sometimes they don't. A move of God, a revival can mean many people coming to Jesus, just salvation only. A revival can mean um, the, 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 the Holy Spirit coming in fire, being, many being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It can mean many people being healed and delivered and miracles happening. There's different types of revival. All right, so we see with the Azusa Street revival. In that revival, the Holy Spirit came. Many people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and miracles were happening, and people were coming to Jesus. But that revival wasn't really lasting. It ended up, you know, fading, and it, now it's like history. For example, we're not still in the Azusa Street revival today, right? We just talk about it as history. But then there was different moves of God. There was um, Billy Graham came on the scene, and he had an anointing of with the office of an evangelist. And so like in that time, there was a big revival of people being birthed into the kingdom, people being saved. 
so many people being saved. And so that was a different kind of revival. But in that revival, we weren't seeing tons of miracles, right? And then that sort of move kind of like ended, you know, with pretty much with Billy Graham, right? So then there is that the Jesus people movement. Um, and then, but all of these things I'm sharing, they're, they're history. It was a revival. It ended. This is what really separates this revival, the end time revival from all the other past revivals is that this revival will not be a fading and passing revival, but this revival is here to stay. Because now it's like, now it's like we know there's a wedding day. And so now it's time to prepare. It's time to make the arrangements. It's time to pick out the dress. It's time to get the hair ready. The, you know, it's time to prepare ourselves. So what's happening in this end time revival is the bride, the body of Christ is being beautified and prepared for the return of Jesus. So this revival is lasting. This revival will not be a, like just a history. They will talk about the history of how it started and the different seasons of the revival, but it will still be revival one year from now, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now. It will still be revival. Hallelujah. So right now, we're going to look at what were the characteristics of the Acts Church. I was sharing with you, we don't look much like the Acts Church. Maybe some of you are wondering, well, what does the Acts Church look like? Okay, so this is just revelation coming from reading the book of Acts. You can, I recommend you going and really reading carefully through the Acts Church. So you can, the book of Acts. So you can see for yourselves with new revelation, because maybe, maybe you were like me in the past, you know, it was only seven years ago that I first encountered God's power. So if I was reading excerpts from Acts in the past, I wasn't having that revelation of like, this is how church should be. Why aren't we seeing it? I need to find it. I was not that way. But once my spiritual eyes opened, everything clicked. I read the book of Acts and I was like, this is what we should be seeing today. And God really is doing it today. I've seen it. I've encountered the prophetic word, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've seen demons cast out, be healed. That first year where I encountered the power of God, I, my spiritual eyes opened up. And as I read the book of Acts, it was like nothing I ever read before. So I encourage you, take time, read the book of Acts, and allow Holy Spirit to show you this is what church is supposed to be like. Not just hearing from me, but look for yourself. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some characteristics right now of the Acts church. So first of all, in the Acts church, we see the five-fold ministry. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, Christ gave himself, well, 4.11, it says, when Jesus ascended, he poured out his spirit upon the church and he gave, the, upon his body, and he gave the body of Christ gifts. And it says, so these gifts were, Ephesians 4.12, Christ himself gave the apostles as a gift to the believers to the whole body. He gave prophets as a gift to the believers, the whole body. He gave evangelists as a gift, the pastors as a gift, teachers. And why are they a gift? It goes on to say, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be, be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. So for me to summarize that for you, what that means is God gave these gifts to help the body spiritually, to be spiritual teachers, to be spiritual people who release nutrients, spiritual nutrients, to edify people spiritually, to, to open up people's spiritual eyes through their ministry, through their teaching, through a prophetic word, through a, a, the, the demonstration of the power of God, eyes opening. This equipping's happening, equipping you, equipping you to be a victorious child of God. Victorious, victorious over the devil because the devil's smart and wise in the spiritual realm. He's been around for a long time. He is a spirit. He has no problem seeing things in the spirit, but we are carnal people. We need the Holy Spirit to open our spiritual eyes, to build us up, to edify us spiritually. And, and one of the big ways the Holy Spirit does that is through these gifts given to the church. So as these offices are teaching, your spiritual eyes open up. Now you can see just as the devil can see, so he can't outwit you anymore. You didn't know his schemes before because you were getting teaching from people who were not anointed, from church leaders who were not anointed, not actually called by God, not actually carrying God's power. You need spiritual help, not inspirational message. You need spiritual help, not entertainment. You need spiritual help, not social hour. And, and this is what's been happening in the body of Christ, by and large, is people who are not anointed. We're missing a lot of the gifts. We're missing the apostles and the prophets, a big part of the fivefold ministry. In Ephesians 2.20, it actually says that Christ gave the, uh, the apostles and prophets. They are the foundation with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone, meaning the body of Christ. We are like a house. We all have, there's different parts we play in the house. The different offices are playing big, like big supporting parts of the house to help the rest of the house stand. But the apostles and prophets specifically are the foundation, meaning super vital. And that's even why when, when Jesus called the disciples, he called them first as disciples. And then he says, you're apostles. So once they were ready to receive their callings, he released it to them. But why was, why, why out of 12, how come it wasn't one's an apostle, one's a prophet, one's an evangelist, one's a pastor, one's a teacher? Why were they all apostles? Because first of all, apostle is part of the foundation. Apostle has the grace to pioneer, to plant churches, to start churches, to break the ground and help build the foundation correctly. Apostles have the grace to operate in different offices when they're not there yet. Like they can minister prophetically. They have prophetic anointing in them. That's a big part of the office of the apostle. They can teach. That's a big part of the apostle as well. So when the teacher's not there, there's teaching that's anointed, helping the people. If there's not an evangelist, they can have a grace of evangelism on them. If there's not a pastor, they can, they can also operate pastorally, having that gift to shepherd as well. So that's why it was just apostles sent out. And if you read the book of Acts, you see the apostles are sent out. Then you start to see apostles and prophets go together. You start to see that. Paul and Silas, apostle prophet, sent out together. 
So you're seeing that foundation go up together. And then you start to see other offices join. You see Philip the evangelist later. We don't have a name specified for pastor, but pastors would have come. And we have teachers as well we see later come. So we need the apostles, we need the prophets to be spiritually mature, to be fed, to not be malnourished. And that's what happens when we're missing apostles and prophets and anointed evangelists, pastors, and teachers as well. So that's the issue we've been seeing in the body of Christ today is like there are some anointed pastors and evangelist teachers, but that there are some that aren't. And where there aren't, there's like, there's no power of God. And then even though there's anointed pastors and evangelist teachers, there's been close to no apostles and prophets, the foundation. So it's no wonder we don't look like the Acts Church because if we wanna look like the Acts Church, we need to do things the way the Acts Church did it, which was God's way. We need to have that church structure. We need to have God's system of releasing his teaching, his spirit, his anointing, his equipping to his people. That's God's system, the fivefold ministry. So we need to get in line with that. When we get in line with that, we will see results of like the Acts Church. When we be obedient to God in this way, he comes and we find ourselves so blessed. Life not being a struggle anymore. It's not supposed to be such a struggle being a Christian. You're supposed to be victorious. You're supposed to be walking in abundant life, full of peace, full of joy, not beaten up by the devil every day. That's not what your life's supposed to be like. But all we have to do is be obedient to God, get in line with his way of doing things, of having church, of equipping his people. Position yourself to receive in his order and you'll find life is a life you couldn't imagine. Heaven on earth, truly abundant life. You don't have to wrestle reading the Bible. I don't get this, I don't understand this. You come position yourself where anointing is, fivefold ministry and your spiritual eyes open up. Anointing comes in you. You start to read the, the word of God, it, it's opening up. God's speaking to you. You're getting real revelation and it's helping you. You're hearing God's voice. You just show up. You just position yourself in God's system where his fivefold ministry is, where his anointing is. Amen. Anybody can testify to that? <laughs> and that's why many, some of you here are, praise God. Some of you are really clapping because I know it's, you're like, yes, but I'm explaining why now. Like that, this is why there's such a dramatic shift because you've like stepped into God's way of doing things and he's so good that he gives his people all they need. He equips his people. He doesn't make things hard. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, God says. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what we see in the, in the Acts Church. We see the fivefold ministry. And when you read this, the book of Acts, you literally find every office by name, except for pastors. They were there. They're just, we just don't find one by name. But we find all the others by name, which is ironic because it's the pastors of today who are accepted the most, <laughs> right? But apostles and prophets are persecuted, are rejected. If people would just read their Bibles and take the word of God seriously, more than cult church culture, what they've known, what they've been taught, what their parents told them, amen. Okay, so this is the first characteristic of the end time revival, fivefold ministry. It has to be in place because this is how the bride is gonna be beautified. This is how God's will shall be done in his whole body. This is how we will see the anointing flowing through every believer who is surrendered and obedient to God. 
this is, we're called Fivefold Church. That's our name. And this isn't just a made-up name. This is a God-given name. I can tell you 100%. It was God gave me this name, Fivefold Church. And the reason was because Fivefold Church was birthed when God had, was speaking that revival is now. So this church was birthed to bring revival and to do revival God's way. It was, not, it was not birthed by a bunch of hungry people praying for revival and praying and only thinking of past revivals and being stubborn and stuck like, this is how it shall be, like the past revival. It was not birthed that way. It was birthed by, I mean, me being called, me not wanting to be a minister, an apostle, wanting revival, praying for revival, wanting God's power to touch people more than anything. That was my biggest passion. But then God calling me and God saying, do this. You know, it, it wasn't my idea. It was God's idea. Start my church and you're going to call it fivefold church because I'm bringing revival through this church and not just any revival, but the end time revival. And in this revival, the fivefold ministry must be restored. This is the, the big thing that I'm doing in this move, in this revival, and a big thing that's separating it from the past revivals. And the, the thing that's so integral to seeing the bride being beautified and the revival lasting is to have this structure, foundation in place. So we said, Fivefold Church is the name because I'm bringing this revival through the fivefold ministry. I'm restoring the offices of the apostles and the prophets. Hallelujah. So number one, in this end time revival, God is restoring the five-fold ministry. Number two, God in this end time revival is restoring the power of God to the church, not to one vessel so that when that one vessel dies, the revival dies with it. No. God is restoring his anointing and power to his whole body. So not every single Christian is he restoring it to. He wants to, but only those who will really surrender to him, be obedient, be humble, and get in line with his ways, get in line with his revival. Not just be zealous and want revival, but their way, how they envisioned it. That anointing will not go there, no matter how zealous that person seems, no matter how godly that person feels and looks to others. That anointing won't go there. But to every child of God who is surrendered to him, who is humble and obedient, God is releasing his anointing to them. And we are already seeing such a difference in this revival that it, it even shocked me in the beginning when I heard stories of impartation, when I heard stories of people just coming to one service, just being in the crowd, receiving the word that I released when I said, I release this anointing to you that you would walk in miracles, that you would cast out demons and heal the sick. I was shocked when I heard testimonies back that people would say, demons started trembling in my presence ever since that day. And they continue to and be cast out. I continue to be amazed by God when I saw every you know, different kind of person come back with these testimonies from Pastor Heather, who is in her 60s, has pastored a church for many years and taught Bible school, but hungered for the anointing to see the many people in her church be free that weren't. 
and she saw online what God was doing in the park when we were in the park and she came and she came so humbly and she came and she says, I don't look at you as anything less than me. I want what you have. I need what you have. I want to see people free. And God saw her humility in her heart and the anointing was released upon her in just a couple of weeks, three days, three days later, demons started trembling at your church and your presence and you cast them out. And so many have been delivered through you since then, through her since then. And that was more than a year and a half ago, that was. And so from hearing that testimony to people so young, I mean, 17-year-olds receive just online, and but just having a pure heart and praying for her, uh, seeing her, um, her younger sister start to manifest before her. And she's commanded the demon to go, and the demon left her. And then continuing to pray for others and seeing God move through her to deliver others to revival events, revival is now events. I remember I ministered at a revival is now event in DC in the National Mall. And there's this evangelist named Richard. He he came just with a childlike heart. He had his own ministry, but he never saw healings and deliverances, no deliverances at all. And he came hungry and he just received that corporate word that was released. I didn't lay hands on him or pray for him individually, but he received when I declared that I release this impartation to you. And he believed this Saturday when I minister, I'm going to see the power of God move. And sure enough, demons trembled in his presence and they were cast out and they continue to be today. And now his wife has been delivered so much by going to the revivals now events and healed of a chronic illness. And now she's walking in the power of God as well, delivering others as well. And these are just a couple testimonies, a couple testimonies of so many that I've heard. Do you see a difference? I see a difference. I don't remember like reading about that in, in past revivals as, as much at least and it's just this god is ready to move and he's ready to use his people he's ready to use anybody it doesn't matter your background your past it doesn't matter what you look like how good of a speaker you are young or old he's willing to use people that were like a fisherman doing an ordinary job who doesn't have spiritual background experience, seminary, school, like Peter. He's ready to use Paul, who had killed people, had a horrible past, but completely repented and had a surrendered heart to God. He's ready to use those people today. He's ready to use the unlikely people. Anyone who will surrender to him, he will use you. So in this revival, God is restoring his power to the church. So like when you come to Fivefold Church here, when you go to Revival is Now events, you should not come maybe how people did in past revivals, maybe just looking at the person or just coming to just receive a miracle and watch God do miracles. But you should come expecting to receive an impartation of anointing in your life. Because it says in the word of God, all who believe, all who believe, not just a handful, but all who believe these signs shall follow. They will heal the sick. They will cast out demons. They will raise the dead. And Jesus gives this commission to the disciples when he first sends them out to minister. He doesn't say, go preach the word and that's it. But he tells them in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely you have received freely give demons didn't cease to exist with the 
original disciples. Sicknesses didn't cease to exist with the original apostles. Demons are around today just as much as they were in the times of Jesus and when Jesus told the disciples to cast out demons. Same with sickness. There are dead things in people's lives and there are people dying dead prematurely that God wants to raise to, to life, to resurrect today. So this word of God is for us to take seriously today. This is not just something fun to say. This is not history, but this is our commission from God today. Every church should be healing the sick and casting out demons. As representatives of God, we need to be true representatives of God. You're representing God when you get a microphone. You're representing God and you stand before people. You need to make sure you're healing the sick and casting out demons and the anointings with you. Because if not, people think, well, you're God, I don't know if I want him because he's not healing the sickness I have or freeing me from this oppression and I don't understand. Now, God wants us to want him not for what he can give us, but for who he is. But, we, but people need to know who he really is. His love, how amazing his love is for them to actually want to surrender to him. People need to know that he wants to take away the sickness and the oppression that he actually died on the cross for it. When people know this full truth, when it's presented to them the right way, when they can encounter God's power through a vessel, then they will actually really be saved, surrendered, go to heaven. So it's time for preachers out there to have the fear of God because this is a serious matter. I remember I was a Christian my whole life, my earliest memory, age four, giving my life to Jesus on the couch. I went to church at least two times a week, most of my whole life, but I was lukewarm from high school till about 24 years old. I didn't wanna be lukewarm. I went to church all through that time. I served God in the church, but I was stuck. I would hear messages again and again, persuading people to believe that Jesus is real. Really amazing communication, great speakers. And I felt something even watching it. Ooh, that's good. Wow, that's good. But I would raise my hand at the altar call. I, like, raise your hand if you believe in, if you want to give your life to Jesus right now and repeat this prayer after me. And I would do it countless times. And, but I was not changed. I was not moved to surrender one time. Why? Because the power of God was not there. Paul says, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but I came to you with a demonstration of the power of God so that your faith would not rest on man's words for it. So that you wouldn't say, yes, I believe in God because that sermon made a lot of sense. And yeah, I believe. I take his words, yeah, they persuaded me. I believe, yep, I don't wanna go to hell. Yep, I've been wanting to be more spiritual in the things of God. Yep, I'm gonna do this now. Not that, but instead that the demonstration of the power of God would make your faith to rest on God's power so that the words flowing from the vessel of God would be anointed, that the anointing would travel from within the vessel of God and enter the people, that a spiritual deposit would take place, that you would literally be having an encounter with God in the message. You're, you're not just crying because of the, the inspirational, an inspirational word. You're crying because God's touching you and your eyes have opened up to see that he's really real and he loves you or the anointing's flowing. And the demons you struggled with your whole life, the oppression you had, the addiction, the anxiety, depression, leaves you because of the anointing moving through the vessel. 
You were healed of a sickness. The prophetic word of God touched you and made your eyes open up to see that God's real and loves you so much. And you are, your faith is rested on God's power, on the real him. So you yourself, you yourself are like, Lord, I give my whole life to you. You have this desperation. I want to give my life. I want to surrender. Jesus is real. And you run out of that place saying, Jesus is real. Telling everybody you know, Jesus is real and his love is amazing. That's the difference. That's the difference. Versus you leave the sermon, you, you chit-chat. Oh, that was a really good word today. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Got me thinking. So you want to go to buff? You want to go to get some food? That was my life before. I know it was probably many of your lives. And the reason why is simple: no power. So this is, this this is the end time revival. This is serious. This is serious. We need to get serious. All of you need to get serious about being true vessels of God's power, of not messing around with a lukewarm life anymore. The third uh, characteristic of this end time revival, how it will be different, is that the church, the body of Christ, will be pure and walk in holiness. No funny business. No, not full of a bunch of lukewarmers, churchgoers, who as soon as service ends, get on Facebook and become so judgmental to their brothers and sisters and atheists and everyone's, everyone's seeing it like, it's gonna be different. In the Acts Church, there was the fear of God. In the Acts Church, it was taken very seriously. God was taken very seriously. And the work of God was taken very seriously. There was respect for God. There was respect for the Holy Spirit. There was respect for God's servants. Not treating the church and God so casually, but there was respect, there was reverence. So much so, you see, th there's no funny business. There's not playing around with God and his work but it was serious, giving you an insight into how serious it was, how the fear of God, the reverence of God was there in the church, that it was pure, that it was holy, that it was undefiled, is the story of this couple that lied and withheld money from God. They wanted to look like they were, I sold all my lands and I'm giving all my money to the church. Look how good I am. Look how great I am. But God saw right through it and he revealed it to Apostle Peter prophetically. And these people strike dead. And it was because they were playing around with God. And I think, I think it's a lot really hard for people to understand this scripture nowadays because it's New Testament, right? But the biggest reason why it's hard to understand it is because the fear of God has been lost from the body of Christ by and large. The purity, the holiness. And so God is restoring this purity and holiness to his church now. That wouldn't be like, oh yeah, time to go to church. But it would be serious, a serious deal. You, you come early, you come to serve, you, 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 you take it seriously doing the work of God, inviting people to the house of God. And you come and you don't come with your coffee cups, sipping, sipping, but you come to worship God and to receive. You, you take notes, you turn your phone off, and, and you're happy to stay for as long as church wa God wants to go. You, you don't have plans the rest of the day, or if you do, you're, you're fine with canceling them because this is the most serious thing in the world to meet with God, to worship him, to receive from him, to be equipped. And this purity and holiness, is it, it has to come from the head down. It says in Psalms, it says 133 verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar 
of his robe. And so the prophetic revelation of this is that the anointing flows from God to the head of the church, the leader of the church, that anointing, and it flows to the rest of the body. That's the importance of being planted where God's power is moving. Even if you can't be, those of you watching online, you can be planted while you're not in this, living in the same city too. It's a spiritual thing. But when you position yourself in that line, that flow of the anointing, that anointing just automatically comes upon you, that same anointing. So speaking again of getting into God's order, the importance of church, the importance of the fivefold ministry, the importance of coming to God's real church so you can get in line to receive that anointing, to walk in God's power, number one. But number two, not just to receive the anointing, but to receive that purity of heart, to learn how to walk in holy. It, the leadership must be that way. It, it has to be. Like I heard, I was hearing some, a preacher just like, preaching this message and I could tell that he was just trying to be relatable, but it was like saying like, I don't, I, I can't, um, I can't relate to this one apostle because he was content no matter the circumstance, but I get angry. I get angry sometimes. And, um, there was just something God was speaking to me, speaking to me in that moment. And that was like, for so long, the body of Christ, they've been like limited. They haven't known that they can go so much higher. They haven't known that they can be free of their oppression. They, they haven't known that that anger that takes over you all the time, it's not that you're just a sinner and you're just not a good enough person and it's just part of being a human and it's a part of being a Christian, we're not perfect. But no, it's actually a demon of anger or a demon of addiction or anxiety or depression. And God can free you from that. That's not you, you're not the demon. And so you can come and be free and you can actually walk in purity and holiness and you can actually be transformed into the image of God. That's a possibility for you. The church needs to hear this. Not just a possibility, it's God's will and it doesn't have to be hard. It's easy by his anointing flowing upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so God is raising up, he's, he's um, lifting the humble and he's, and he's humbling the proud, but he's lifting the humble right now. He's lifting people who've found him, the real him in his fullness and who by his grace have been transformed into his image where they're really no longer sinners. Maybe not completely perfect yet, Although even that could be possible because God says, be perfect as I'm perfect. We might as well not have put a limit on God, right? It says that in the word, but I think, I believe he says that to help us to make sure we take the limits off of him is what I mean. Because he's living in us. Nothing's impossible. We can be people who even when people are so mean to you, even screaming in your face, you keep your mouth shut. And you even keep your peace and you even bless them and pray for them. That's possible with the power of Christ living in you, with obedience. But the church needs to know this first. The church needs to see examples of this. So, so God is raising up vessels now, humble vessels, who are not only vessels of the anointing, but who are pure, who are walking in holiness, who have really been transformed into the image of God. So the messages, instead of being 
trying to be relatable can call you higher, can say, I used to be this way, just like how you are now. And I'm nothing special, but God has changed me. He can do the same for you. He loves you just the same as me. Don't look at me as unattainable or something. How, how I've transformed, God can do it for you too. He wants to. That's the kind of leadership and teaching we need. This teaching of purity and holiness and grace and compassion and mercy void of condemnation and shame, but full of God's love, full of his power. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is how we will see such transformation in the whole body. Hallelujah. So it says in Revelations 3, verse 15, I know your deeds, God's saying. He's saying this to a church, and he's saying this to churches out there today. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's intense, right? But that's God's word. But then it goes on to say, verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with the person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whoever has ears today in the entire body of Christ, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. There's different seasons. There's different seasons where God is preparing his bride for revival. And when revival comes, I was 24 until I first saw that miracles could happen today. It was the first time I was in a church where God's power moved, was age 24, and I was a Christian my whole life. I was an open Christian, not a skeptical Christian. I would have gone where anybody invited me probably if they told me, this is awesome, come check it out, I felt God here. But it did not happen until age 24. So that tells you, and I know so many of you hear the same situation. Some of you here maybe first encountered the power of God here at Fivefold Church. Praise God. But you're older in life, and you're like, it took me all this time. This has been the state of the body of Christ where the power of God has been rare. And so there's, it's not like many in the body of Christ are to blame, even many preachers. They don't know any better. I didn't know any better till age 24, living the life I was, you know, with the doctrine I was believing. I didn't know any better. God didn't judge me for that, you know. So there's this grace over, there was this grace over the lukewarm church, but now we're in a new season where God has brought revival and he's not hiding this revival, but he's making sure all his people see it. He's making sure his power moves through videos on a TikTok on some random 12 year old who doesn't believe in God, that it would just pop up in the feed. That's actually how this whole revival started was a TikTok video I put out and God decided to breathe his anointing on it. And it went viral to hit 1 million views by January 1st, my 30th birthday of 2021. And there was thousands of comments on this video, people testifying of miracles they'd received while watching the video. And I was shocked and I was like, God's ready to move. I knew that for darn sure, because for years it wasn't time for that yet. And for years I was just, we're having church and there was a, just a handful of people and his anointing was moving. I remember people were touched by prophetic words. They would be crying. You'd never see them again. 
It was hard to see revival spread for the word to get out. I would post so many videos, get hardly any likes or comments or anything. So I knew when this video is going insanely viral, not just that, but there's uncountable comments of people receiving miracles, I knew God is ready to move. So in going from there, this revival has been so viral. It's been hard to miss, you know, like, but it's all God's doing. I never paid for ads. I don't pay boosting on social media. I never have. <laughs> it's God. I'm ready to reach my people. I'm ready to show them I'm moving in power. Revivals now, people. You hear all of these nations watching around the world? Only God. I didn't put out an ad campaign for, for uh, Indonesia or any of these countries. I, I don't, it baffles me how these random countries, some I never have heard of before. We had an email come in saying, can you do a Revival Is Now event? In what country was it? Micronesia, who's heard of that? It's an island near Australia. One person has. <laughs> Only God. So if people are hungry for revival and God's power in Micronesia, what excuse does the American church have? The grace is lifting. This is a, it's a serious word today. God's hand of grace is lifting there on the lukewarm church. Because right now, he's making it obvious. He's speaking, this revival you prayed for, it's here. It's not the way you thought it was going to look, and it's not using vessels you thought I was going to use, but it's me. Come, be a part. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. More, more people need, more, there's more pastors out there that need to be like Pastor Heather, you know, who have their own church, and, but see, this isn't what God wants to remain, how I'm doing things but God wants me to be a vessel of his anointing. So I'm gonna humble myself and position myself to receive and do whatever he wants, whatever that looks like. We have a video that we're gonna play right now. I was blessed and honored to be on the Sean Bowles show this week. <laughs> yes, amen. And this is a clip from the, the, from the video. And so Sean shared um, this testimony that like literally blew my mind. I did not know about this. He shared this testimony of a pastor who came to Fivefold Church at some point. So we're gonna play this right now. People are coming from different theological backgrounds and different places and you're just saying, come and experience Jesus and they are. And it's beautiful. I've, I've talked to several pastors who uh, have gone to your meetings and they've been like, they were just hungry. And one of the pastors, a pastor of a very large church, and he's like, I just decided I didn't have spiritual hunger and so I went to places where I knew God was reported to move to see if it would awaken hunger in me. Wow. And he's a, he's a major pastor. And he goes, when I went to Catherine's meeting, I felt like I remember when I experienced a hunger and the presence like this 20 years ago, but for some reason I allowed the hunger to go away and it convicted me deeply. And I went up for prayer for impartation because I guess you prayed for a lot of people in that particular meeting. And he said, and I felt that impartation more than anything of hunger for the presence of God. And it's changed everything. I've seen deliverance now. I've I've streeted evangelized. I'm I'm the senior pastor, and I'm going out like evangelism teams. He goes, I I didn't do that because I had created such a distance between the role of pastoring and actually 
meeting the presence of God in different places. So I think like I've been hearing so many good reports and feedback. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? I was blown away. It touched me so much. I had no clue. But this big senior pastor of a big church came here, humbled himself, and he really received. It didn't take too much. You know, look how God is now using him and he didn't even, he was just in the crowd. No one even saw him, you know, but he humbled himself and he was probably willing to do what God wanted. And all of a sudden, immediately that anointing came upon him, impartation came upon him, spiritual hunger was revived in him. And now he's seen deliverance happen in his ministry. So, like what I mentioned with Pastor Heather, how God directed her to humble herself and come and receive and change things. Change how she and her, and her husband were doing church and her husband's walking in the anointing too. He humbled himself and received impartation well, too. And both of them completely changed how they're doing church now. They were not cast out demons before and now they're taking a, long, a good amount of time of church to cast out demons and people are being set free. That's what God wants. Not for the people to be stuck with demons. What even good is the word of God gonna do that you're preaching? And so what Pastor Heather did, what this senior pastor that Sean Bowles spoke of, this is what God is speaking, not to just two people. God is speaking this to his whole body, to his children who are comfortable in their big mega church with their fancy things and entertainment. He's, he's speaking to as many of them. I'm asking you to actually position yourself where God's power is. And he's speaking to pastors out there. He's speaking to ministers out there. He's speaking to them to do what these examples of these pastors have done, humble themselves. Hear God speaking, I'm changing your direction. Will you come with me? Because I still want to use you. I want to use you more powerfully. Even you, you think you're being used powerfully with your huge platform, with your huge church, but I want to really use you by my power to actually deliver people and heal people and actually save them, not the repeat after me prayer that many people may not actually be surrendered, but that they'd be actually saved and go to heaven because they're on the narrow path, which is surrender. So this is the year God is speaking this. It's time to repent for those out there who are content and complacent in the lukewarm life with no power of God. God is calling you to repent, to not be lukewarm so he spits you out, but to be hot and to be hot and on fire, you have to change things. You have to change where you're receiving from. You have to change where you're being planted so that you can be planted where the power of God's moving. We're gonna see in this year specifically, we are gonna see that grace lift off of the lukewarm church and we're gonna see the grace upon God's real church. And it's been my uh, power of God church's minority, not mainstream. This year it changes. This year the power of God will be mainstream. Power of God churches, real churches, spiteful ministry churches will be mainstream. That grace is lifting off of the lukewarm church. People won't be able to deny it. This is God and I must be a part of this a part of this revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this amazing revival that you are doing right now. We thank you for your grace. 
We thank you, Lord, for your new move. We thank you for speaking so clearly to us, God. We thank you, Jesus, for all those you are drawing to come and be a part of your move. We thank you, Jesus, for the repentant hearts that will come and eat with you and sit with you on the throne with us and be part of your glorious church. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's, it's simple now. We're, there's been all different denominations and different styles of how to do church. Oh yeah, that's your thing. The loud church, the quiet church, the, the different denominations, but none of that anymore. There's one way, it's God's way, where his anointing is, where the fivefold ministry is, apostles, prophets. This is God's one way. This is his glorious church that's being beautified now. Amen. God, we thank you for all those you are speaking to now in this moment, whom you are calling to be in your revival army and who are coming. We thank you for the thousands. We thank you for the millions across the world who are repenting, who are hearing your voice, who are stepping out of the lukewarm life, the lukewarm church, and coming to your revival army and being a part, being a vessel of your power. Thank you, Jesus. There's some of you here right now, maybe you haven't surrendered everything to God in these areas, in these areas of where you're being planted, where you're receiving from, and your commitment there, your seriousness there, your reverence there. God's asking you right now to repent, to surrender to him, to no longer be lukewarm, but to come be a part of his revival army and serve him surrender to him if that's you just speak with your speak from your heart now surrender to god right now 